It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio, sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas. And I'm your host, Todd Marquardt, attorney for Marquardt Law Firm. We're live today and with a new episode in Full Bellies because today we got to visit Joe's Pancakes or Pancake Joe's. Something like that. It was Pancake Joe's over by the Ingram Transit Center. And Ingram Park Mall. That was the one. I enjoyed their cinnamon roll pancakes. What about you, Todd? I enjoyed peanut butter pancakes, eggs and bacon was fantastic. They even had warm syrup. Finally. <laughs> you finally found your peanut butter. Yeah, it's hard to get peanut butter and warm syrup. Some of the places that offer warm syrup don't offer peanut butter. Some of the places that offer peanut butter don't have warm syrup. <laughs> so do you think that we found our spot yet, Todd? I think we should go back again. I think we should go back. There's a, another item on the menu called the Cowboy Breakfast that I wanted to try. It has an omelet and uh, biscuits and gravy. Well, if you have any recommendations about Pancake Joe's menu items, we are taking recommendations. If you call in at 210-308-8867. But aside from talking about our pancakes dreams, what is the mission of Talk Law Radio? The mission of Talk Law Radio is to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to discuss laws with the public. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, nothing provided herein should be used as a substitute for the advice of competent legal counsel. Contact your favorite law office or attorney or contact Marquardt Law Firm, which sponsors the show. Have an initial consultation to find out if Marquardt Law Firm is the right law firm for you. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with a prayer. Of course. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help Brandon Zumwalt, Christiana, and me give good information to the listeners today about cybersecurity. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I know we jumped through a lot of different topics ever since we started a couple months ago. Like last week was about NASCAR when we got to have the retired pit crewman George Taylor and Bradley Dean 
helping us with the NASCAR Open, some of our audience might have been confused about why NASCAR. What does the law have to do with it? Well, the law touches on everything that we do, whether it's our hobby, our job, our family. And so we figured out that the law also touches NASCAR. Uh, We talked about some personal injury cases. Uh, We talked about a a criminal defense case. Even got to reenact that one. Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) And today we're going to talk about cybersecurity with Brandon Zumwalt. Mr. Zumwalt, thank you for waiting with us and appearing on today's episode. Thank you for having me. I hope I can help. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm uh, Brandon Zumwalt. I'm from San Antonio area originally. I'm the founder and president of a company called SecureTech. We're located up on the northwest side. And for the past 17 years, we've been helping businesses uh, with their data networks to help them be able to operate and keep their data safe. Okay. And if anyone wanted to contact you about questions for services from your company, how can they reach you? Sure. You can take a look at us on our website at www.getsecuretech.com. You can always give us a call, uh, 210-798-0889. You can check us out on social media, um, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And you said that was getsecuretech.com? That's right, getsecuretech.com. Okay. I tried looking up SecureTech just through Google search, and it kept showing me to all these other different um, companies and everything. So it has to be getsecuretech.com. That's right. We just went through a rebranding like two weeks ago. We're focused on security. That's terrific then. Great. That'll be helpful for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that's why I'm here. Uh, so tell me about your education. So my background is I uh, went to Texas A&M University, so uh, whoop out there for the Aggies. And uh, my background was in industrial distribution. So um, the phenomenon. What's that? Yeah, that's the, what is that? The uh, <laughs> movement of goods and services from manufacturer to end user. So what does that mean? Um, How did that lead you to uh, security, cybersecurity? Yeah, I worked back in the uh, late 90s in a dot-com as a programmer, and, um, you know, the Internet was still kind of burdening, budgeting, like uh, it was new. People buying things online was new. And uh, we call it really kind of the it was like the Wild West. Anything kind of went. Um, and what I noticed is that uh, websites could be taken down easily or people's information could be compromised and People were just trying to get on the Internet, but what they didn't realize were always the threats that were there because uh, there's always someone there wanting to take someone from someone else. And I so, mean, there's a whole series on MTV of catfishing. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's um, impersonations. There's uh, Before we go there, yeah. I've got <laughs> a question for the audience. Uh, did you know that the first computer dates back to the time of Adam and Eve? Wait, what? It was an apple. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> With limited memory. Just one bite. And it was compromised. <laughs> and then everything crashed. Have you heard this joke before? I have, yes. I have heard that joke before. Okay. So you told us you went to Texas A&M. Uh, you got your degree in something else. So how did you get um, get into the – you told me why uh, 
how you got started in this. Uh, what did you have to do between then and when you started your business to really uh, understand and be able to provide security online services? Sure. Um, I mean, I recognize there was a need there. Everybody wanted to be on the Internet. Um, people wanted to sell something, but they didn't know how to get on the Internet. And it could be just something simple as uh, connecting your Internet connection to your business, and then how do you create a website? And so um, at the time, there was a, uh, a massive virus that was sweeping across websites called the Code Red virus. And uh, a lot of people didn't know how to how to clean it or how to uh, stop it. And so uh, I'd done that for a couple of companies and then recognized, like, hey, this is probably going to be – this is just the beginning of the more people that get on the Internet, the more threats that will be out there. So I just started – at the time, it was called Internet Contrasts, and then we uh, recently changed to Get Secure Tech because what we've always been doing is helping people secure their businesses so they can operate. Yeah, I I realized just the other day that um, I, I've been helping businesses uh, protect themselves and their assets from all kinds of liabilities, and I'd never talked about the liability and risk that comes from running your business online. And so in, in addition to setting up your LLC, you also have to do something to protect all the data that's inside your company. Or if there's doctors, those new HIPAA laws that also passed, they are going to have to go through some refining of their security too, right? Yeah, they should have already done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost uh, ni- since 1996. <laughs> Right, but now it's online, so there are always new challenges, and and for some reason, hackers want that information. So if you have any hacker stories to share, any questions or concerns that you have about how safe you are on the Internet, call in and send us your questions by dialing 210-308-8867. We are live today here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt, and Brandon Zumwalt on Cyber Laws. Remember to call us, 210-308-8867. We'll be right back. If you are a veteran over 65 concerned about qualifying for veterans' benefits, do not apply until you learn about new regulations passed in 2018. Markwort Law Firm and Brookdale Nacogdoches is hosting a free aid and attendance seminar on February 27th, 9 a.m. at Jim's Restaurant at 7000 North Loop 1604 West in San Antonio. Find out how veterans and their living spouses can qualify for VA benefits to help afford living in a care facility. Register now by calling 210-530-4278, markwortlawfirm.com. Worried about what would happen if some violent encounter took you away from your loved ones? Who will protect your loved ones from probate? Protect yourself and what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense. RSVP today for our defensive measures for self-safety and asset protection seminar with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense at 5 p.m. on February 19th, Total Wine and More off Loop 410 by North Star Mall. Seats are limited. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm Christiana Villegas, and we're joined here today with Brandon Zumwalt from SecureTech talking about cyber laws. Brandon, 
When I was uh, getting ready for this and we asked you for some talking points, I I wanted to congratulate you. You're one of the only guests that's ever provided me with the law. Oh, okay. (laughs) Usually I come up with that, but you have an understanding about the law already. Yeah, well, uh, to be able to operate, you got to follow the law. That's the way it works, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why people need lawyers to understand the law. So as a business owner, to help other business owners, like I'm not a lawyer. Obviously, that's what I would refer to you, Todd. But if I have an interpretation that I can at least guide the business owner to do the things to keep them running, uh, then they can use your services on the absolute, this is what has to happen, right? What's allowed, Mm -hmm. what's forbidden, what's restricted. So I think you're alluding to the breach. Is that right? Like what is a breach? Right. Yeah, that's an interesting topic because it actually varies from state to state. And so since uh, here in Texas, you know, we – or the government has said what a breach is, is it's uh, any personal identifying information. Um, Some states will say that it's on a computer, or some states will say it's on paper, whereas in Texas uh, we just declare it across any type of medium. So it's pretty broad, uh, but if you think about, like, from a protection standpoint, that's good because you can – I know people that write down sensitive things on paper and they have sensitive things on their computer. So why not just make it across the board? Which That makes a lot of sense. If somebody steals paper files from your business, it's the same as if uh, a hacker steals those electronic files. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of one of the misconceptions as well is when people call hackers um, – they think of like how Hollywood has put like someone in a hoodie and they're in a basement coding away. Um, it can be as simple as things you throw in your trash. Uh, one of my first jobs out of college, I worked in a dot com I mentioned earlier, and I remember coming out at night sometimes, and there would be someone in our dumpster, and they'd be dressed and and driving a nice car running away, and I asked my boss like, "What the heck is going on?" And he said, well, they're they're dumpster diving. They're looking to find out what we're working on so they can work on it. Hmm. And that was kind of shocking because I thought I was under the interpretation as well that, you know, hacking is all done over the Internet or through your, the wires to your computer. Mm-hmm. So we have to shred paper still. You still got to shred paper. Or those organizations that are trying to go paperless uh, – they have to up the security on their computers. Since we're talking about dumpster diving, I wanted to tell you about a court case that I read uh, recently. It concerns dumpster diving. Hmm. And the interesting thing, let's see, I've got to find it here. wanted to find out what law it was because there's a bunch of different ones. This was... Under the uh, Harmful Access by Computer Act. It's a Texas law, and it was regarding computer electronic theft and and all that. But there was a case where an employee left a company uh, and started their own company. I think it was insurance. And... They found some old computers in the dumpster from the old company, and they brought a class action lawsuit on behalf of all the 
people that had data on those computers, and the the old company said, "Hey, give that data back. Give me those computers back." Uh, we didn't throw those in the dumpster, but if we did, <laughs> we still want those computers yeah. back. And so it just goes with what you're saying. It might not be a hacker. It might be, you know, just a negligent throwing away, discarding of electronic material. Yeah, so the term we use for it um, in our world is we call it data leakage. And so um, if you think about uh, your business as an organization, it's like how, what are all the areas that information can leave your company? Sure, the trash can, as we're joking, is one. But email, posting online, all the storage devices like USB keys, or uh, now with the proliferation of the cloud, there's all kinds of storage sites out there like that your phone uses from Google, Apple, Microsoft. They've all got their storage accounts. If you're getting a little confused by tuning in now and hearing us talk all this tech talk, we are discussing about cyber laws, things that you should consider when going through the Internet, um, saving files on your computers. And we're here on Talk Law Radio. If you have any questions or concerns about your computer safety, call us and ask Brandon right away at 210-308. 8867 or if it's something more personal and you need to contact him on your own time he's available by dialing 210-798-0889 Brandon you want to finish that thought yeah it's just um, it goes back to um, everybody has a digital footprint Um, that's personally that's business wise and you can think about all the information that is out there, if you use social media, or even if you're not a heavy social media user, chances are there is some sort of information about you online through public records. Uh, BCAT, if you're a, a property owner, uh, your information's there, your first name, last name, where you live, how much you pay in taxes. Um, and what is being a custodian of that, it's like being aware and do your own kind of, I guess you'd say, background check. Um, one of the things we do for companies is that we help them with their policies regarding their data management. And so that way we can find the areas where we can stop leaks from happening. And we also help provide scans uh, of their of their company identity. And there's this uh, people have been hearing lately about what's called the dark web. The dark web is uh, an area of the Internet that Google and your other search engines don't index. Um, it's where people like to hide as far as criminals and hacktivists, and they s- store information, they transact there, they do illegal activities. Um, it's wide open to the world, but it's a different way that you use the Internet to find this information, and chances are there is information about peop- you out there on the dark web. Oh, no. So it is electronically real. It's not just a made-up movie thing. That is correct. It is it is very real. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You can find out uh, people's passwords, accounts that they've used. Um, a lot of these, a lot of these, uh, call it, you can just use the ter- general term of hackers. They uh, consolidate databases of information and actually sell them. Uh, people in the past have always were concerned about their credit card being leaked out, and really, the credit card isn't so valuable anymore. Because what's more valuable is your personal information, like where you've lived, 
uh, maiden names, social security numbers, because that's content you can use to create credit cards or debit cards or mortgages or uh, you know leases and whatnot. This is awful. <laughs> so aside from businesses and corporations that have obviously really huge and valuable assets, um, both financially and just in content that they have, what does the common everyday person have to worry about, especially those who think, oh, you know, I don't have more than $50 in my bank account or I have all this student debt and I have all these medical bills and that none of my internet presence is going to affect me, should they still be concerned? You know, there's that joke that uh, go ahead and steal my identity and, <laughs> and take my bank account. Maybe you'll pay my bills. <laughs> yeah, so you, great, you bring up a great question. It's not necessarily that they want your assets. What you have something that's valuable uh, and it's your computing resources. So now everybody has a broadband connection to their business, their homes, even their cell phone that's in their pocket. And it's the computing power that sometimes criminals want to use and then to attack other people and make it look like you did it. And so uh, we have a term that says, like, when the feds come a-knocking, so that's the government when they're trying to track down what happened in a in a uh, breach or an attack, they still have to do their due diligence investigation, so they'll start tracing. And uh, you could be a totally innocent, um, hey, you're just trying to make a living, uh, pay your bills, and you have no idea of what's really going on with your computers and on your network. And so one of the things we help people do is bring visibility into those actions that are going in and out of your company from an electronic standpoint. So then who are the adversaries that are really risking our electronic presence? Yeah, we've identified, I have six off the top of my head. So that's going to be your cyber criminal. So that's someone that, that's how they make a living is uh, breaking in and uh, doing damage or stealing your data and leveraging in that. Um, as Todd, you mentioned earlier, employees, actually employees are the largest offender. Um, and that's sometimes just through ignorance or carelessness or intentional that maybe they want to, uh, they've got a bone to pick, uh, cause they didn't feel something was going on that was right. Or though it's been in the news quite a lot lately is foreign state actors. So these are countries of our adversaries, um, They've been identified like Russia and China and North Korea. And those are the ones that are really the most sophisticated, and that's they really want not necessarily your information. They just want access to your compute resources to launch attacks inside the U.S. You have random attackers who are just people that are looking to have fun and hacktivists who are uh, – they've got some sort of political or moral cause um, to make a statement out in the world. And then you have your corporate and industrial espionage. So those are people that are trying to steal intellectual property or corporate secret secrets to use for their behalf and, or sell it. Quite a, bad, a, quite a few bad actors out there, as we call them. There's, there's another one that Christiana and I were talking about. Um, boyfriends, girlfriends, ah. spouses, ex-spouses. A lot of the social media um, posts have been complaining about when someone takes intimate photos of their ex-significant other and starts 
posting it online to try and belittle them or humiliate them. And although there's no nationwide law that remedies what happens to these victims, there have been almost all of the 50 states, only four of them don't have um, state-initiated laws for these situations. In Texas, it's called unlawful disclosure or promotion of intimate visual material. If you're wondering if you're one of those states who have that law in place to protect your privacy from a begrunged ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, then visit your websites or call us and share any questions and concerns you have by dialing 210-308-8867. We're learning about cyber laws, mostly here in Texas, but also what you should be aware of when you're on your computer. So this is live today on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt and Brandon Zumwalt. Again, the questions we are taking, if you dial 210-308-8867 or look us up on Facebook Live and send us your comments through the live stream. We're going to take a hard commercial, but be right back again on Talk Law Radio. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. I'm your co-host, Christiana Villegas, and we're live today with Brandon Zumwalt from SecureTech talking about cyber laws. Before we get started uh, with some of the solutions about all these cyber crimes and cyber problems, I've got a joke. So there's a doctor, a civil engineer, and computer programmer, uh, arguing about whose profession is the oldest. And the physician says, surely medicine is the oldest profession. God took a rib from Adam and created Eve. This clearly means surgery and medicine were involved. The civil engineer says, no, no, no. But before that, he built the heavens and the earth from chaos. Now that's civil engineering to me. If I've ever heard it, programmer thinks a bit and says, and who do you think created chaos? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brandon, tell us, uh, once, you, once a company comes to you, how do you get started helping? Sure. So one of the first things we do is we have to identify what obligations is the company under. Um, Meaning, you know, it's like what's their duty to stay in business or to help their customers? Um, that can be forms of compliancy or uh, personal responsibility they have to their customers. Um, and so we start with doing assessments. Uh, what is just, it's kind of like, not necessarily we hack them in a bad way, but we identify all their gaps. Um Doing security is not just a one solution thing. Like it's in the 20 years ago, you could buy an antivirus program and have a firewall and you were considered pretty much almost complete. Now we've identified at least 14 different types of solutions that any one business would need to have if they want to maintain the integrity of their company's security. 
Um, the thing about it is that what people under a false in- interpretation is, is that why going back to why would they want to target me? And it's just um, from a computer standpoint or someone on the other side of the world trying to use your resources or attack you, you look like everybody else. I mean, you look like Bank of America, the government, to uh, any small business, or even a household. You're just a number on the Internet. It's not until they get in that they can find out what they can exploit. And so what we do is we try to find out how will they get in. So we look at the current uh, security situation, look at their operations, your people's knowledge and skills, because uh, this isn't just solved with like software and hardware. It's a lot. Of, it's a people problem. It's an educational thing. And so we do a lot of uh, lunches, uh, brown bag sessions, personal one-on-one education, um, and it's constantly evolving. If you want to participate in any of these options that Brandon has to offer, reach him out at dial two one zero seven nine eight zero eight. Eight nine or visit getsecuretech.com. One of the ways that I've I've heard these hackers get into your system is through email, mm. and and I think that that's how Hillary's email got compromised. Is that true? Have you heard that? Yeah. So her uh, her case was was of course it had major political effects, and uh, but. Um, Hers wasn't necessarily the email. It was the email server. But uh, what the hackers did is they, they went after a known vulnerability that uh, that they left open. So it's kind of like the equivalent of like they left their door unlocked. Okay. And then uh, once they were in, they were able to read the emails, and they were quietly what we call lurking. So they're you don't know they're there, but they're reading the data, and they're using it to their benefit and giving it to whoever else can leverage it. But the uh, the hack came from a known vulnerability. The IT company that was overseeing the the account um, just didn't get it done. So this could happen to common people too, right? It can happen to common people, and that's where like forming checklists. Um, for example, like our team, we do uh, monthly and quarterly checklists for security. Um, and it's like the like when your your habit of when you go to bed at night, you know, some people like they lock the door or they set the alarm or they check their cameras and then they go to bed. And so, um, unfortunately, the internet is always on. I mean, that's part of uh, why we use it. And so, you have to have those checklists constantly running. Um, there's programs now that can help you determine what's open. Um, we call those security information information events. Um, and that's the reading of these computer logs. The biggest issue we see most people have is that they just don't have visibility into how what's going in and out of their organization. So I was wondering, it kind of reminds me of some situations that we had to worry about with our emails. Uh, phishing emails, wasn't that what we called it? If someone ended up sending an email with the guys that it was your employer's email address? Yeah, I had to remove my email from the internet because somebody would pretend they were me and email Christiana, tell her that I needed... uh, $100 in gift cards or that I need to go run an errand right away or there's this very special document. And when you're... 
when you notice, first, all there is is the name of your employer showing that they're sending you this no subject information and it seems urgent and you don't have that communication with your boss yet, it triggers you thinking like, oh, I need to respond to this email right away or I'm going to be in trouble because my boss needs something. I have a very good team. They would go get me a bunch of gift cards. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I had to explain to them, hover over the the email address and, and make sure it is what it really is. Is there a way for a computer system to filter through those kinds of emails, to block them even from coming through? Sure, there's all kinds of... we. Like your spam filters now are getting more intelligent. So that's just one vector of attack, the phishing attack. That's pretty widespread. Um, the thing about the, the phishing attacks that's most interesting is that um, usually if you're getting a phishing attack, there's probably that means the hacker's been in your accounts. And it may not be your account. It could be another employee. And going back to that, lurking situation they're just watching communications between and what they're doing is they're learning how you speak so if you always sign off a certain way or if you have nicknames for people and so they're getting smarter about how they craft the emails for phishing and they look pretty legit uh we had a customer recently there in the energy industry and you know they're they wire a lot of money internationally quite a bit and uh, they have agreements with their bank that they can wire money up to a certain point just by sending an email. And so the um, operations person there would will delegate the wire tasks to the different people in the company. And so a lot of times they don't even talk about the money that they're wiring. They just will say, hey, send you know this X amount to this person on this date. And what had happened is that this, this uh, company was compromised. Probably the hackers were in there for a month, and they crafted an email sent it to one of the administration people that send the the wire, and she was literally on the verge of hitting the enter key, and her boss walked by, and she just kind of said, hey, this is kind of out, of out of schedule here about sending this wire. And he said, well, what are you talking about? Well, that e- you sent me an email to, to wire $300,000 to one of our partners, and he's like, oh, no, I didn't do that at all. And so the consequences were, he asked, is like, well, what would have happened if she would have hit that enter key? And I said, well, it's like, rolling your window down and throwing money out in the road, it's gone. They can't because mm-hmm. the banks have their disclaimers where they say, hey, we we can't guarantee the identity of the sender or the receiver. So it's really back on you to uh, make sure you know who you're wiring money to and what your practices are. And that brings up a lot about those Nubian Prince heritage emails. Find your inheritance and send <laughs> us your social security yeah, number. Yeah, that's, that's another one that you brought up, right, Brandon? A different type of attack. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the ones you're talking about, like uh, there's always some prince over on the other side of the world that has a ten million dollars, and if you just send him a thousand bucks, he'll give you ten million bucks. So, <laughs> the old saying, like if it's too good to be true, it's not a good deal. I think there's a legal. That's your world. There's a legal term for that, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sure that's Latin. I'll have to look that up. But uh, going back to the different vectors of attack, that's the phishing attacks is one. You have brute force attacks. Um, everybody's heard Bitcoin in the news. Mm-hmm. So you have what's called crypto jacking. And so that's where they uh, will install software. Perhaps they send it to you via email or you went to a website. And it could be a legitimate website, but they hid 
the malware inside of an advertisement or another link that you're going to and installs a, a program that runs quietly on your machine, but you'll notice your computer gets real slow and it's using your compute power to mine that Bitcoin to make them money. Mm. Oh, I wouldn't want my computer to be slow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can only work as fast as your computer, as we say. Right. So, okay, so what do we do to uh, bone up and, and defeat or prevent these threats? Uh, maybe we should talk about that after the break. But also after the break, we're going to talk about uh, Brandon's legacy. My, I like to talk about my legacy. And then we'll talk about digital asset uh, estate planning. Absolutely. We really need to cover what qualifies as a digital asset other than just Bitcoin, right? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you have any cyber loss questions, what is the digital asset that you should take into consideration? Dial in at 210-308-8867 or contact Brandon at his website, getsecuretech.com. But we'll be back after this break on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. We'll be right back. Worried about what would happen if some violent encounter took you away from your loved ones? Who will protect your loved ones from probate? Protect yourself and what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense. RSVP today for our Defensive Measures for Self-Safety and Asset Protection Seminar with Marquardt Law Firm and Damsel in Defense at 5 p.m. on February 19th, Total Wine and More off Loop 410 by North Star Mall. Seats are limited. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. If you are a veteran over 65 concerned about qualifying for veterans' benefits, do not apply until you learn about new regulations passed in 2018. Markwort Law Firm and Brookdale Nacogdoches is hosting a free aid and attendance seminar on February 27th, 9 a.m. at Jim's Restaurant at 7000 North Loop 1604 West in San Antonio. Find out how veterans and their living spouses can qualify for VA benefits to help afford living in a care facility. Register now by calling 210-530-4278, markwortlawfirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marcourt. I'm Christiana Viegas, and we're here today live talking about cybersecurity with Brandon Zumwalt. If any of you were listening on our radio station, however, you've heard of our seminar commercials. You'll have a moment to meet with Todd Marcourt in person this Wednesday. That's only four days away if you contact Marcourt Law Firm at 210 Four two seven eight. Reserve your seats today to visit their seminar about self-defense for defending your person and your assets. But back on cybersecurity, how deep should they look into defending their internet activity? Yeah, great question. So, what we help companies do is we is they need what's usually what we call as a cybersecurity framework to adopt. And so the government has done a really great job, um, and some people go, what do you mean the government did a really great job? Well, actually, they did. So they have what's called the NIST Cybersecurity Framework, and it's free. You can take, it, take a look at it at nist.gov slash cyberframework. And in there, you can go through. You don't even have to be have a, a technical background, but it can help you orientate what are the areas in your business that you need to secure or what kind of policies to develop. 
And so what we do is we use that NIST framework and look at a company, make make an assessment, and then fill in, basically fill out, like, what do they currently have in place, how strong or how weak is it, and then what's missing, and then what we have solutions to provide to close those gaps. So the government's really done a lot of this work for us, but what's usually missing from business owners or personal folks is just the knowledge to actually do it. So that's what we help them do is execute on that. An example is vulnerability scanning. Um, All these devices, software, hardware, it's all made by us humans, right? So back to your joke, Todd, about uh, it's the programmer that created all the chaos. Well, that's true. So, you know, naturally we're flawed. And they're constantly having to put out new patches or firmware to fix the flaws. And so we do vulnerability scans to look for those flaws. And, of course, the hackers are out there trying to exploit the flaws. So it's this constant, um, it's like a frogger. You know, you're Mm -hmm. always, like, trying to get one jump ahead of the next one. And we're always leapfrogging back and forth over the hackers. So once you, you have them locked down, then they come up with a new way because the programmer has written a new piece of software that isn't fully complete. Okay. That's so there is a way to get started and to prevent these hacks from happening. Uh, now I'd like to talk about legacy. Brandon, you know uh, Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show, and the attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm do last wills, living trusts, and estate plans. And I always ask people, Uh, What do you hope that your beneficiaries will achieve by receiving an inheritance or by receiving things from you? So I like to ask our guests about legacy. What would you say your legacy will be? Sure, my legacy. um, So I've I've watched three generations of my family age, and uh, some have passed on and some are still with us. And what I've noticed about each time is that they always took care of the Mm -hmm. previous generation, and and they always took care of the generation that was aging to live in a dignified manner. So for me, my you know I'm a, I'm married to my wife Nanda, and uh, to love, honor, and cherish her is I made a, a public commitment to take care of our family. So that means like I've got to provide. And so I look at that as uh, I want to be able to give her the opportunities that uh, I said I would do, and then also the opportunities that my parents gave me is provide that for our next generation. Awesome. Yeah, I like that. There, not many of our guests have something that they've already thought about. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them just come up with it uh, right when I ask. Uh, but like my legacy for for my kids is I'm going to leave them all my old stuff. I lo- I'm a collector. I collect baseball cards. I collect books. I collect all types of uh, junk in the garage that my wife would be happy to give away. That's what they're going to receive from me. Um, of course, I'll leave them a bunch of money to, too, but <laughs> I like to leave uh, strings attached. Uh, I'm going to rule that money from the grave. And if uh, <laughs> any of our listeners are like me and they want to control what happens to the inheritance after they're gone, Give a call to your favorite estate planning attorney. Or give a call to your favorite radio host <laughs> by dialing 210-530-4278. So a thought just came to mind about legacies and cyber laws and digital assets, the millennials. 
what do they have to look forward to their digital legacy all those snapchats and vines yes, and youtube they, videos they need a plan for that in 2017 the state of texas uh, passed a law that allows uh, the executor the trustee or the power of attorney to control and and access those digital assets but many people are wondering what are digital assets um, a common definition is that digital assets are text, images, multimedia, information, personal property stored in a digital format, whether that's a server, a computer, or other electronic device. So think about how are people going to access your devices, computers, smartphones, tablets, e-readers, cameras, memory cards, USB devices. I know it's older, but CDs and DVDs. (laughs) Uh, And, of course, online cloud storage. So you have files online. You have photos online. Your Google Drive. Google Drive, the the OneDrive, um, the iCloud. Um, So if if you don't want to give your password out to all of your beneficiaries, um, then your trustee or executor or power of attorney just needs to know what do you have online. They just need to know where to look because online is such a big place. And uh, some of the things might have cash value and some of the things might just have sentimental value, uh, like your social media accounts, your Facebook, your Twitter, your LinkedIn Instagram, Snapchat, uh, but also accessing banks, uh, financial institution, brokerage accounts, IRA accounts, business accounts. Uh, you might also have uh, domain names or blogs or ebooks. So some of these things could be lost forever if nobody has authority to access it. If anybody has digital assets that match the list that Mr. Marquardt just ran off, you should probably go through your emails and look for those accounts where it sends you that notification. You got that account started with such and such website because if you end up going years without having to remember your exact username and password, how are you going to put that on your will when you're close to dementia? Yeah, they're not going to remember. And so you have to do this when you're healthy and alive. (laughs) which is the best time to do it now while you're able-bodied. Start on Monday. Call 210-530-4278 if you want to get your digital assets protected. There are uh, two quick things you can do if you use Facebook or Google. Google owns a a lot of different types of Mm -hmm. online accounts Mm -hmm. that you can uh, do something that will help you name somebody to access those accounts after you're gone. If you go to your settings, you can find the inactive account manager setting, and you can name somebody. What happens is if you don't access your Google account for a certain number of days, whether it's 30 days, 60 days, or 90 days, an email goes out to this person So my wife will get an email someday because she says, well, she doesn't want to live without me, of course, but 
<laughs> uh, statistics say that usually the male person dies before the female person. And so I'm, I envisioned that an email would go out to her that says, uh, Honey, if you're reading this, I'm deceased. Oh, Congratulations. No. You oh. now have access oh, to man. my email account. That's I, I have I have near 100,000 emails in my Gmail account that she can <laughs> peruse. And uh, the, there's a similar function through Facebook where you can name somebody to access your account and set up a memorial page. Um, I'm sure that'll be lovely for her as well. Well, this has been an interesting episode that we've had today. Not only do we talk about the law, but we offer a little bit of tech support by knowing what to expect when you're on the Internet and using oh, your I computer. Oh, I thought of something else. Oh, yes. Um, to make things easier for me, <laughs> if something bad happens to my wife, I figured out how to uh, get an electronic copy of the her power of attorney and uh, her will and... So I can access it from my phone. <laughs> and then if I need to, I can email that document to the bank or to the healthcare provider. Now, I'm not an expert in all electronic things, but there is a way to do that. And there I know is. Brandon's probably thinking, no, don't put that important information <laughs> on your phone. Actually, you can. Uh, you just need encryption. So encrypting while you're transmitting and encrypting while the data is at rest. So that way, if, anyone, if any of those devices uh, were lost or the transmission was intercepted, they wouldn't be able to read it. So Will you explain to, that? Yeah, what for? is encrypting? We got about 40 seconds 40 to seconds. cover that. All right, encryption real quick. Uh, there's software programs that will use an algorithm and a hash, which will hash the data so it's unreadable. Um, so it's something that uh, is installed on your mobile device or on your laptop or your desktop and uh, encrypts all the information on your computer. And then when it's sent to another computer, uh, that computer has to have the encryption key to read it. Or, it will, or you can allow it to be decrypted if it's okay, uh, which is a choice by the user uh, to be read. But do you need a special program or a device in order to set that encryption? You do. Okay, so it sounds like some people are going to be contacting you for those special encryptions if you dial 210-798-0889. That's to reach Brandon Zumwalt at SecureTac. But every Saturday at 11 o'clock, we look forward to coming back to you on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. We'll bring you more information the next time that you join us. Send us your questions through Facebook for a shout-out throughout the week. And we hope that you have a blessed day. This is Talk Law Radio with Todd Marcourt. Stay tuned for next Saturday at 11 in the morning.